Well, a couple of weeks ago, if uh, you would have told me this is how we would be spending Easter, I would never have believed it. I mean, huddling together in our homes rather than all of us gathering together in church, feeling like everything in our world is just suddenly upside down, wondering what in the world is going to happen next, being fearful, anxious, and afraid, wondering if God is doing anything, asking if God is doing anything. If you would have told me any of that just a couple of weeks ago, I would have said that's crazy. And yet, here we are. And perhaps, just perhaps, this is the most eastery place we could be. Because undoubtedly, this is exactly how Jesus' followers felt on that very first Easter. In fact, John tells us that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, Mary Magdalene was Jesus' most famous female follower. And like many of those who followed Jesus, she had an extraordinary faith. Mary believed about Jesus what many people in the world believe. She believed that he was a great teacher. She believed that he was from God. She believed he was a miracle worker. She believed that Jesus introduced the, the world to a level of equality and compassion and dignity that was, was previously unknown to humanity. She believed Jesus was like no other person that she had ever met. But on Easter morning, Mary Magdalene believed that Jesus was dead and she believed that he was going to stay dead. In fact, the, the first century doctor that we know simply as Luke, he tells us that a group of women, including Mary Magdalene, they took spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. And the interesting thing about Mary and this group of women going to this tomb, I mean, you kind of have to, have to picture this. Mary is preparing to go into a tomb um, with a body that has been in there for two nights and a day with the specific intention of re-embalming this body for burial, right? Think about this. This is so significant, especially if you're new to faith um, or, or if for you the whole idea of faith is just this, this thing that it kind of floats out there somewhere. I mean, just think about this for a second. Um, if faith for you uh, is never something that really interacts with your daily life, um, just, just consider this. This woman, Mary Magdalene, she loved Jesus so much. She was willing to go into a tomb and unwrap his body to prepare it properly for burial. Now, when I read that, that, that this past week and I thought about this, I mean, I've read this story so many times, I thought to myself, okay, that um, that, that is just an extraordinary amount of love. Who who would I do that for, right? Who would you do that for? I mean, whose body would you take out of a grave after it had been in there for two nights and a day just to make sure that it was prepared properly? And see, this woman, Mary Magdalene, she loved Jesus so much. She had so much respect for Jesus. She had been so moved by his ministry, by his words. I mean, Mary had seen things that we'll never see. And she loved Jesus so much she was willing to go into a tomb in the dark, before sunrise, unwrap his body and make sure that it had been properly prepared for burial. That's how much this woman Mary Magdalene loved Jesus. But on Easter morning, she believed that Jesus was dead and she believed that he was going to stay dead. And so when she saw that the tomb was open, she was surprised and she was shocked. But see, understand this. She did not assume, Mary did not assume Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, John tells us that Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, which is John, in fact, referring to himself. 
And see, that means, right? That means don't miss this. That means that Peter and John and the rest of the 12, they're not at the tomb, are they? Why? Well, because now they're hunkered down in their homes, trying to understand how their world has changed so quickly, right? How in just a matter of days, everything flipped, wondering what in the world is going to happen next, wondering if they're going to be okay, wondering when and if life would ever, ever be normal for them again. And see, Mary, Mary knows where they're hiding, And so she comes running in and she says something to them. And and see, today, if you're listening or if you're watching today, and the only reason you're watching is because you're with family, or maybe you woke up this morning and you found some Easter eggs in your yard from Faith Troy, and you wanted to know exactly who these people are that left eggs in your yard last night, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. In fact, if you were to say to me, okay, Joe, I I don't really believe all that stuff. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. But see, if you were willing to invite me into a conversation in in your home today. If you were willing to say, okay, Joe, I'm not sure I believe what you believe, um, but I'm willing to at least listen to what it is that you have to say. I'm willing to give you a chance to tell me why it is that you think I should consider Jesus. If you were to give me that opportunity today, here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't try to defend the history of the church because the truth is the church has done some really not good things. And I wouldn't try to defend all the things that maybe some Christians that you've known have said to you or maybe the ways that some Christians you've known have treated you or treated the people that you care about. I wouldn't do that. If you were to give me one opportunity to try to convince you to consider being a Jesus follower, see, I would actually start with the event that we're celebrating together today. I would start with the resurrection of Jesus because, see, here's what you need to understand. Here's what I would want you to know about today. On that very first Easter morning, there was not a single person there standing outside the tomb waiting for Jesus to come back to life. Not the men and women who had eaten with Jesus, not the men and women who had been healed by Jesus, not even the people who had seen the miracles that Jesus performed. There was nobody. Because everybody who knew Jesus was very much like some of you. They thought he was a great teacher. They thought he was a prophet. They thought that maybe even Jesus was sent here by God. They thought he was a miracle worker. They thought he was the the wisest person that they had ever met. But see, they also thought that Jesus was dead. And so there was no one. There was absolutely no one who expected a resurrection. And so they were very much like you, perhaps even more than you realize. And so Mary Magdalene, she rushes to the home where Jesus' closest followers are hiding, and she says to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Right? Notice she doesn't say, okay, guys, Jesus rose from the dead. She says, no, guys, somebody has come, and they have taken the body away. Jesus' body is missing. And so Mary believes the obvious answer is that somebody stole the body. Now, Mary Magdalene has as much faith in Jesus as anyone, but even she's thinking that somebody stole his body. And so when she, along with these other women, when they tell the disciples the tomb is empty, the disciples, they did not believe the women because their words. They just seemed to them like nonsense. What do you mean? There's no body in the tomb. See, the disciples, they didn't jump to the conclusion of a resurrection. They thought this whole idea was nonsense. And let me tell you why this is such a big deal. I'm just going to say what some of you think. You think the idea of a person coming back to life after they've died is nonsense, right? And if that's you, then see, I have some great news for you today. Because in the first century, the people who knew Jesus the best, I mean, the people who looked right into his eyes, 
I mean, think about this. The people who audibly heard Jesus call their name, the people who sat around a campfire and who talked to Jesus and listened to Jesus and watched Jesus, these very people thought an empty tomb was nonsense. See, these were not a bunch of superstitious people. They did not expect a resurrection. So if you think a resurrection is nonsense, I mean, of course you do. It is nonsense. I mean, people, they just don't come back to life after after they've suffered extreme blood loss, after they've been suffocated, and then to top it all off, had their heart pierced by a spear. I mean, of course they thought it was nonsense. And see, here's the thing I would just say that if you're a skeptic, you have to wrestle with. I mean, because here's the part that's so strange about Matthew's account and Mark's account, about Luke's account. Here's what's so strange about John's account. Here's what's so strange about what Peter wrote and what James wrote. I mean, this is the part that's so strange about what even Paul wrote. The the thing that's so strange about the whole story of Jesus and the whole story surrounding the resurrection is that nobody writes themselves into this story as the the hero, right? Instead, everybody, they document their, their disbelief. And again, this is why this is such a big deal. I mean, if you were making this up, somebody would write themselves into the story as the hero, right? Somebody would say, okay, well, listen, nobody else believed, but I did, right? Nobody else was there to see Jesus when he came out of the tomb. But see, I was there because I believed. Because even when everybody else gave up hope, no, I held on. I held on to hope. I was there. See, that's the story that someone would tell. But every single narrative, every single person that has anything to do with the story of Jesus All of them admit, none of us believe that he was coming back. None of us believe that we would ever see him alive again. None of us were expecting a resurrection. And so Peter and John, they run through the city. They run out of the city gate. They run to the place where Jesus was buried. They look inside that empty tomb and there's nobody there. And they don't know what to think. But neither of them in that moment concluded that, that Jesus had come back to life. And so John tells us that, that the disciples, they just went back to their homes. But see, not Mary. Not Mary. Instead, Mary Magdalene, she slowly makes her way back to the tomb. And then she stays there. And John tells us that Mary, she just stood there crying. And see, what takes place next on this first Easter is an exchange between Jesus and Mary that is so precious. It is so powerful. It is so tearful. It's so incredibly emotional. I think it captures the energy and it captures the implications of what it means to be someone who lives their life believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And see, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you used to be, or if you have questions about God and Jesus and the church, I am so glad that you're watching today. Because what we're going to discover together in this exchange between Jesus and Mary, it's going to help you to understand why those of us who are followers of Jesus, why it is that we sing the way we do. It helps you to understand why it is that we gather the way we do, whether in person or online, whether it's in homes or in churches. All of it is because of the resurrection, that when we fully understand the resurrection and we take seriously the death of Jesus on our behalf, it really does create a context for our lives that impacts every single element, every single facet of our lives. It impacts the way we spend our time. It impacts who we spend our time with. It impacts how we entertain ourselves. 
It impacts how we spend our money. It impacts how we mourn. It impacts how we love. And it especially impacts the way we experience what we're experiencing right now. How we face fear. How we face the unknown. And see, John tells us that Mary Magdalene, she stood outside of the tomb crying, literally weeping. I mean, imagine what she's feeling right, right now, what she's thinking. I mean, she's thinking, okay, this was the man. This was the man who changed my life. This was the man who changed my life. And then they crucified him. This was the greatest man who's ever lived. This was the man who would love people no one else would love. And then they crucified him. And now they won't even leave and leave his body alone. She's thinking, okay, what do I do now? Where do I go? God didn't come through for me. God's not paying attention to what's happening to me. Who in the world can I trust? And John tells us that as Mary just wept, I mean, she, she looked into that tomb and she saw two angels. Now, Mary doesn't know that they're angels and they're seated where Jesus' body had been. One is at the head and the other is at the foot. And they ask her, why are you crying? And then listen to what Mary says. I mean, she's just, she's just heartbroken and she says to them, they have taken my Lord. Again, nobody thinks Jesus rose from the dead. Right? Mary believes this is the work of grave robbers. And the thing is, grave robbers, they take things from a body. Nobody is going to steal a body unless they're going to desecrate that body. And Mary knows this. They've taken my Lord, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. And then she hears something stirring behind her. You've got to picture this. And, and John says, at this... At this, Mary turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Now, we don't know if that was because it was still dark. We don't know if it was because, you know, maybe he was in a shadow. Um, we don't know if it was because of the distance involved. We don't know if it was because Jesus looked different. But Mary sees Jesus and she doesn't recognize him. And so she turns right back around and she just keeps staring into this tomb. And I think in, in this moment, if you picture this, I, I picture Jesus with this, with this huge grin on his face because he knows that Mary is just seconds away from everything being made new. Because if Jesus is alive, everything about everything changes. And the knowledge that Jesus is alive is about to change everything for her. And so with a grin on his face, Jesus asks Mary the very same question the angels asked, but, but he gives her a clue that perhaps there is more going on than she realizes. She's staring into this empty tomb, and from behind, Jesus says to Mary, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And then John says something that if we stop and think about for a moment, it really is kind of funny. But because of the seriousness and because of the significance of the moment, the truth is we just miss it. John tells us that Mary thought she was talking to the gardener. I mean, it sounds like the punchline of a, of a bad joke, doesn't it? I mean, I can picture Mary telling John about this moment long after this event is over, saying, John, you're not going to believe this, but I thought he was the gardener. Right? And do you know why Mary thought she was talking to the gardener? Because nobody expected a resurrection. And even when they were looking into an empty tomb, no one assumed that Jesus was alive because everyone expected him to stay dead. And so she says, sir, if you have carried him away, 
Sir, if you know where he is. Sir, would you please just tell me so I can go and get him? I mean, she's staring into this tomb and over her shoulder, she's talking to this man behind her who she thinks is the gardener and Jesus responds, and this is so amazing. And he simply says, Mary. Mary. And when she hears her name, And when she hears that voice, I mean, suddenly it just clicks and everything changes and she runs towards Jesus and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, and she runs towards Jesus and Jesus says something to her that we don't understand why he says it, but he says to her, Jesus says, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And then Jesus gives Mary some instructions and he says to her, go instead to my brothers and and tell them that I am ascending to my father. And then I love this. And your father. To my God and your God. In other words, Mary, I I know that you've already been to the city once, but I need you to go back to the city. And this time you're not going to tell the guys the tomb has been opened and you don't know where the body is. No, this time you have a completely different message. And so Mary Magdalene, she went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And let me tell you why this is such a big deal. Because see, in the ancient world in the first century, Women, they had absolutely no credibility at all. I mean, a woman couldn't even testify in court. If you were to bring a witness to court in the first century and it was a woman, everyone would just simply laugh at you because because she wouldn't even be allowed to testify. If you were trying to come up with something that you wanted people to believe in the first century, you wouldn't have a woman be a witness to anything. But do you know why all the gospel writers tell us that it was the first, it was the women who were the first ones to see Jesus alive, and then they were the ones who told the men. Do you know why all the authors tell us that? Because that's what happened. I have seen the Lord. God has come through. Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be. We can continue to trust. We can continue to sing hallelujah. The lamb has overcome. And although nothing in the world had changed and nothing in her circumstances had changed, everything had changed because Jesus was alive and that changed everything for her. And see, it changes everything for us as well. The resurrection of Jesus is what creates the context for every decision, for every relationship. It's the resurrection of Jesus that creates the context for everything that we do with our lives, how we dream, how we plan, how we use our time. I mean, think about this. Because of the resurrection, we can pray knowing that God hears our prayers. Because of the resurrection, you can know that God actually listens to you, that when you pray, God knows exactly what it is that you need even before you ask him. And see, the reason we believe that isn't simply because Jesus said it, and we certainly don't believe that just because it's in the Bible. We believe that because Jesus rose from the dead and he substantiated everything that he taught. And he substantiated everything that he said because it's because of the resurrection we we can live knowing that there's actually life beyond this life because it's Jesus that taught us about heaven. I mean, did you know that before Jesus came along, most people believed that, that when you died, that's it, it's over. It was Jesus who introduced us to the idea of eternal life. Not eternal life because, because people will remember you eternally, no. No, eternal life as in a different kind of life. Eternal life as in life that goes beyond this world because it was Jesus who said to his disciples, 
I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back for you so that you can be with me someday. And see, none of that made any sense and none of that was believable until Jesus rose from the dead and then suddenly all of it made sense. And suddenly all of it was something we could believe. It means that every time you attend a funeral for a follower of Jesus, every time you bury someone you love, there's hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And do you know what else it means? And this is so important, especially for those of you who are students, especially for those of you who struggle with the thought of missing out. This is so important. It means that you can sacrifice knowing that your faithfulness to your Heavenly Father, that it matters. That when you say no to invitations, when you say no to people, when you say no to money, when you say no to types of entertainment or events, when, when you say no to things, that make you feel like, okay, everybody else is going to think I'm crazy for saying no to this, you can sacrifice for your Savior and your faithfulness counts. Because see, Jesus, throughout his ministry, he taught that what we do in this life, it matters. It matters in eternity. That what we do in this life and our faithfulness to God in this life is something that matters to our Heavenly Father, especially when it costs us something. But see, here's the best news of all. Because of the resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead, if you have never put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, today is the perfect opportunity to do so. Because see, the issue isn't what the church has done. And the issue isn't what the Christians that you've met have done. See, the issue is that Jesus rose from the dead. And if you invited me into your home, to talk to you about Jesus, I would just simply end our conversation this way. There really is just one issue. What happened? I mean, what happened? On that first Easter, what happened? Because see, if there had been no resurrection, we wouldn't be here today. If there had been no resurrection, you would have never heard the name Jesus. We are not here today because Jesus lived. We're here because he lives. And he wants to live in us, in our hearts, and in our lives. And when that happens, it changes everything for us, just as it did for Mary. Because see, Mary was living in that moment where so many of us live, especially right now. That moment in between. Right? We live in the sorrow and we live in the fear of the unknown. We live in the hopelessness and with the disappointment of what was. Because the truth is, without Jesus, I mean, what do we do about our past? I mean, without Jesus, what do we do about our future? Without Jesus, what do we do about regret? Without Jesus, what do we do about shame? Without Jesus, what do we do about sin? See, Easter matters because it means that life begins for us. Not simply when we take our first breath. It means our lives begin when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus came not only to give us a different kind of life, that Jesus came to be the context for our entire life. Because see, at the very center of what Jesus offers to us, what, what we call the gospel is this whole idea of redemption. And redemption means to buy back or win back something because that thing, it has inherent value. Even if its value isn't obvious. 
To redeem means that Jesus chose to pay for your life with his life. Redemption means that Jesus takes the things that other people think don't have any value and he gives them value. Jesus takes our past that we're ashamed of and he gives it value. He takes our biggest mistakes, our greatest regrets, even our biggest sins, the choices that we've made, the seasons of life that we're so ashamed of. Jesus redeems them and he gives them value. You do not have to hold on to your shame and your guilt because Jesus has bought them. He has paid for them. He paid for them with his life. And he wants to redeem them because Jesus believes that you, that you have value, that your life has value. And see, only Jesus can turn our messes into a message of his grace. That's why what happened on that first Easter matters. That's why Jesus matters. That's why he matters for you and for me. And see, there is no better day than Easter to say, I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, and I want to receive, or I have received, that gift of new life that Jesus offers to me. And see, you can do that right now while you're at home. If you would like to pray with somebody right now, just click on that button that says live prayer and then someone from Faith Troy, they would love to pray with you right now about anything that's on your heart in this moment. And if maybe for you, If the truth of who Jesus is for you became real to you personally today, I would love for you to click on that button that simply says that I commit my life to Jesus so that we can celebrate with you what the Holy Spirit is doing in our world as he continues to change hearts and change lives and give the hope that only comes from new life in Jesus. Let me pray for us today. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for seeking us out as we live in these moments, uh, these moments in between in our world right now. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us your life and giving us life that goes beyond the grave. Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift of forgiveness and for paying for our sin with your blood. And Jesus, most of all on Easter, we thank you for being exactly who you claim to be, the Son of God who lives who redeems, and who gives us new life so that each of us can have life in your name. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.